Hey everyone, welcome back to Every Version Ever. My name is Jonathan North, and today we're talking about another obscure Little Women adaptation. This time we're back in the U.S., and we're talking about an NBC miniseries from 1978. Joining me today is my friend Lisa Fay. She and I met through Rachel Wagner, and we actually co-hosted an episode of Rachel's Hallmarkies podcast last year, talking about a Hallmark miniseries about a pandemic. I knew she was into a lot of the same kinds of classic literature that I am, so when I decided to do Little Women this season, I knew I had to have her on the show for an episode. And it ended up being two episodes because we had so much to talk about that we made an episode each talking about both episodes in this miniseries. So in this first episode, we're talking about episode one, which roughly covers the events in the first half of Little Women, or as Little Women was originally released in two halves, the half that has them as kids. Okay, so Little Women. Um, I guess to start, we could talk about like your history with the story. Did you read this as a kid? Is this uh, this is probably one of your favorites since this is one you were eager to talk about any version of. So, yes, um, I did read this as a kid, but it was interesting because it was one of those um, it was one of those sets that you know you just buy books for your kids and it would be like a like a random set and I still have it actually and as I got older I realized it was an abridged version so I never as a kid I thought oh I've read Little Women and it turned out I I had but not the full you know little it was like this mm-hmm. illustrated kids you know like you buy I wonder it if like we had the same set of books it was <laughs> because blue. I had I, I had a set of books that this the reason that I get I have a lot of favorites in like old classics is because I had a big set of abridged classics and I knew they were abridged as a kid but I didn't really care because they were shorter and fun to read and they all had pictures I wonder if we might have had a similar set oh that's interesting yeah you know it's I don't even know where my parents got them from but as a kid I just thought okay it didn't I didn't really pay attention and I didn't, I, maybe I just didn't understand what abridged was. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, and I, it was that pride and prejudice. And I think black stallion or something, and maybe a fourth one, but those are the three I still own. And so as I got older and I started trying to reread some classics from when I, you know, from my youth, I actually got little women on audiobook so I could listen to it because, you know, it mm-hmm. can, the full version, you know, is, is quite long. So long, that yeah. was, that's when I really truly think that I quote unquote read the book. I mean, yes, I know. And so I'm going to confess something right now. I've seen enough of these versions and between the the ver- versions I've watched, the adaptations I've read, I'm just, sometimes I have to stop and be like, was this in the movie or was this in the book? Or wait, was this in the crazy kids version that I, it takes me a minute sometimes because I've seen so many. I've seen so many of these. I have to take a minute and figure out which one I'm thinking of. Or maybe I just made it up. I don't know. Sometimes it, it all jumbles together for me. Yeah. I I recently reread, I listened to audiobook for this. It was the first time since I was a kid, probably. So it's a little more fresh in my mind. But yeah, I know what you mean about things getting jumbled up in your head, trying to remember which version or was this from the book or... Yeah, because everything yeah. is just like slightly different. You got to try and keep it straight. Yes. Yeah. So do you have a favorite version? Um, you know, I, I'm a big 
proponent of whichever one was your entry into things is usually ends up being your diehard favorite. <laughs> so when it comes to the, you know, TV and movie adaptations, the first one that I saw was the 94 version. Mm. So that's the one that I'm like, nothing else compares. Go away, everybody else. <laughs> I wondered. That one's like frequently cited as a favorite. Yes. Um, but I have seen the new one. Um, I've seen, you know, I, I think I've seen in total maybe four, four or five. So, I mean, I know there's a ton out there. Yeah. Um, I do love the 94 version. The new one gave me a lot to think about. And the miniseries that we w- just watched also gave me a lot to think about. So, I don't know, <laughs> 94 might be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd, even though I had read the book as a kid, I think I when I was a kid, my mom read all of the books. Like we were all homeschooled and every morning mom would read a different chapter of just whatever book we were working through. And I think she started with Little Women and went all the way through Joe's voice at some point. So that was the last time that I remember reading it. So yeah, it had been quite a while, but I don't think I'd seen any movie versions. I might have, but if I had, it's been... I've forgotten what it might have been. So right. I don't remember any until last year in January, I saw the new, the 2019 one when it was in theaters. So that was between when I was a kid and the 2019 version. I don't really have too much recollection of interacting with the story. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if I have a favorite. I'm figuring it out right now. I would say probably the 2019 version. Just I, I really liked all the actors. I thought it was really clever the way they did the story. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's still more that I have not seen yet. So we'll see. We gotcha. Well, I'll try not to spoil anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess we can get into the mini series. Um, this one, I'm going to guess you probably had never seen before we talked about it. Because I think this is one of the most obscure, well, not one of the most obscure, there's, there are a few that are more obscure than this, but this is one of the more obscure American versions. So I had never yes. heard of this before. I, I had not either until you told me about it and I looked it up and I thought, oh my gosh, this is a year after I was born. <laughs> so this is, <laughs> this is quite old. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I recognized a lot of people in it though, because as I started watching it, you know, these were TV stars from when I were, when I was a kid. And so I recognized a lot of these people from shows and I was just like, Oh, this, Oh, look at that. Look at this person. So it was really fun Mm -hmm. to see a lot of familiar faces from my youth, but yes, I had never, I never even knew that this was a thing at the time. So who did you recognize? Cause I only recognized a couple people. Oh, gosh. Well, let's see. So out of the sisters, you know, obviously, Joe, um, Susan Day went. But for me, my entry with her was for L.A. Law, because that was a big show when I was a kid. When, um, so she was, a, I think, a district attorney on that show. But so I was like, oh, there's the woman from L.A. Law. And then, of course, Meredith Baxter, because of, yes, family ties, but also the Betty, Betty Broderick story. I, I was obsessed with that miniseries when it came out. Um Let's see, the guy who played Lori, um, he was a love interest on Designing Women for 
quite a few episodes. His name was J.D. Shackelford in that show. And so when he popped up, I thought, oh, my gosh, it's J.D. from Designing Women. (laughs) And um, and, you know, other than the big one, you know, of course, William Shatner um, was the guy who played um, Frank Vaughn in this miniseries. He was the creepy doctor from The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. And I immediately was like, (gasps) I hate that guy. Why is he in (laughs) I mean, I'm sure he's a very nice man in real life, but I always equate him to the creepy doctor from the hand that rocks the cradle. And I'm like, it's that guy. No, don't marry him. (laughs) Yeah. So William Shatner, of course, everybody knows who William Shatner is. So of course I recognize him, but the one that the main one that stood out to me was the person who played Marmy. And um, I can't remember her name right now. Uh, I think I wrote it down. Let me see. Dorothy McGuire. Yes. So she was on a whole bunch of old Disney movies that I grew up watching. Old Yeller, Swiss Family Robinson, and Summer Magic were the first three that came to mind. There might have been more, but those are the three that came to mind first. So I really liked seeing her again. And she was, she, this kind of has one of the, this is one of the main, not, I guess, issues that I have with this is that everybody is too old <laughs> and yeah. army is no exception because i mean reading the book i always i got the impression that marmy was kind of a younger mother like maybe mid-30s and she's not in this and i mean the the people who play all her kids are uh i think i wrote down all the ages i think the youngest was 20 something yeah, I mean, it's just there's very few versions that do the ages right. And I mean, it's hard because you've got to have them during their teen years and in Amy's case, preteen years and mm-hmm. then as adults later on. So it is hard. So I understand why they don't. Right. But this one, I still feel like they could have gotten some younger people <laughs> than they did. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it was, it was a little, I mean, I just, I kind of chalked it up to the time because I'm, I'm, I kept thinking, okay, during that time, there was just, everybody felt older to me at that time, like when I was younger and seeing these mm-hmm. people and I just, it is a big issue with these adaptations for sure, especially when it comes to Amy and mm-hmm. this version, you know, went with the one Amy casting, yeah. which I know some of them do too. And I'm usually not a fan of the one Amy, but. Yeah, it's it's hard, and for as far as Amy goes, ninety four is the best because the the splitting it up, and I did like the Amy in the twenty nineteen version, but only in present day. Like the the flashbacks to their childhood, she seemed like she was an adult playing a young kid. So, <laughs> and she was right. good, but not good enough to pull off playing a young kid. So, yeah, that's that's one of the. I guess the main issues that I've had with pretty much all the little women adaptations I've seen so far, it's just, it's really hard sometimes to see older people playing what are supposed to be kids and teenagers. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think I would have cared as a kid, like as a kid, like you said, like you're watching things and everybody's older than you anyway. So yeah. it doesn't matter. So maybe that's why they did it this way because they were aiming for a younger audience. Who knows? I don't know, but yeah. That, yeah. 
I just found it kind of interesting that not even the parents were exempt from that in this version. <laughs> well, and it was, I also thought that even the character of um, Lori was older than, because yeah. that's a hard one to pull off too. You have to show him as, you know, uh, a young, a young person, you know, mm-hmm. rare, you know, immature. And then you have to age him through even more immaturity where he is older, but he's just going through something (laughs) and then as an adult you know and so that's hard i mean i thought for me in the 2019 version it was hard for me to accept laurie as an adult because he just looked like a teenager to me the entire time um Mm. i thought the 94 laurie did a pretty good job of aging him up this one though he just he for me in the 79 version um he just looked he just looked like a, a grown man the whole yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did. <laughs> it's like you don't look like a what is he what is he supposed when they first meet him? What he's 13 or 14? No. No, I think he's supposed to be 16. Oh, you're right. Because when they I go think to the party. The same age as Joe. Yes. Maybe he's when in they, between Joe and Meg. You're right. See, I it all is blurred for me. Um, <laughs> you're right. But I, I still think that this the guy in this series looked really old <laughs> he's the oldest I, I think i wrote down his age too i tried to write down all the ages because i thought it was kind of funny that they were so much older than they were yeah 28 in this one mm. <laughs> yeah no that's like ten, at least 10 years old too old <laughs> yeah so one of the things like speaking of Lori one of the things that I thought was weird about this version was the fact that they had him sort of at odds with his grandfather more so than the book, more so than any other version, to the point where they had a physical fight at one point. Yeah. And I, I just, I didn't appreciate his character very much in this one. <laughs> no, I thought he was awful. Like, not just in the sense where... You know, in the story, he's supposed to, you know, be this kid that they feel like he's like a brother, like an honorary brother. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, when he gets rejected and he goes off on his wildness, um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're not supposed to like him. But yeah, I did not like him at all in this. He mm-hmm. just and I also thought that they presented his relationship with Joe a lot more, a lot more friend based. I never got a sense that they were like he was ever really romantically interested in her like none of it i thought the whole role was odd the fighting Mm -hmm. the weird gambling scenes yeah that was odd too it was (laughs) just his asking joe to be with him the whole i just thought his whole role was bizarre it wasn't for me yeah he is probably my least favorite part of the miniseries if I if I have to pick yeah. a least favorite, I think he was probably my least favorite. Yes, I I did mostly like the sisters though. Um, Amy, the first half, again, uh, the issue of an adult playing a child. I didn't really like Amy at the first <laughs> half, but I liked her a lot more in the second half. In the first half, I didn't think she was that great of an actress, but in the second half, I was like, she might be the my favorite. <laughs> 
I am so glad you said that because as when it finally wrapped up, when the series ended and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about it and I was trying to jot down some notes, it, it occurred to me that she bugged me so much in that first half and I loved her in the second half. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know what, but that's what she's supposed to do. She's supposed to bug you because she's supposed to be this irritating little brat, basically. <laughs> and she's supposed to grow and, and you know, grow mm-hmm. into herself and mature. And she did. And I, I realized, I was like, I think she might be my second favorite Amy ever. Yeah, yeah. She ended up by the end, especially when she's like telling Lori off and everything, that whole scene. Yeah. She, she was like what legitimately one of the best actresses in here. She really pulled it off. A lot of times the other ones, I don't want to say they're felt wooden, but like maybe slightly wooden, just yeah. a little bit. It wasn't perfect, but she like really pulled off that last scenes with her and Lori together. I yes. really liked that. Yes, I agree. Was she your favorite or did you have any other standout family members that you liked in this? Oh, in the entire, like for the whole family, honestly, I loved Aunt March. She, <laughs> I loved her. Of course, it's Greer Garson. You can't not love her, but I just was, I just thought her entire portrayal she was harsh enough but man she made me laugh so much just in certain the way she would phrase things and I thought oh my gosh I love her I think she's my favorite Aunt March out of all the ones that I've watched so far I I loved her portrayal of her never really I've never really thought about doing an Aunt March ranking but (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who I would pick as a favorite I did really like the 94 Aunt March but she is she also she played we had just recently watched Sister Act and she's one of the nuns in Sister Act so that yes. probably makes her higher in my ranking because I just yes. really liked her. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yes. One other note that's not related to the narrative, the hair. <laughs> this is very 70s. <laughs> yes, yes. They didn't, I... they didn't go for period accuracy. When later in the movie, after Joe cuts her hair and she comes back and she has this weird like office bob, (laughs) it was so distracting. I just I couldn't stop staring at it. Like that's terrible. (laughs) Yeah, I just thought it was kind of funny that they and I'm sure the clothes probably weren't accurate too. But I'm not really as not that I'm an expert on hair, but the hair stood out to me more than the clothes but i'm sure the clothes probably had issues as well yeah they were just like whatever just (laughs) put some curls in it everybody will buy it no no it was all bad it was all bad yeah yeah it was yeah (laughs) (laughs) so this version opens like most versions at christmas one thing that i noticed about the opening was that the cat it was very loud <laughs> like even the purring of the cat which i i kind of liked because you don't always get cats and like cats are a big thing in the book so i enjoyed that they actually focused on that i don't know that the cats made too many appearances after that but i liked that they were <laughs> there at the beginning it's just something like- random that i liked <laughs> awesome they're like just do it really big at the beginning and then they don't have to come back and we don't have to worry about it we can just pay for one day of a cat (laughs) (laughs) um one thing that i had a minor issue with at the beginning was that they did not have the hummels at all i think they were referenced in the dialogue a little bit 
but they did not have the scene with the Hummels. And I feel like that's like an important scene. Like I, yeah. I, I didn't like that that was just forgotten about. Right. They didn't touch on that at all. And so you don't get the same connection that you mm-hmm. do in other versions where why it's so important for them to keep visiting the Hummels mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, leads up to the reason why, you know, Beth gets sick. Like it, mm-hmm. although I, I will say this, if I can just talk about this, cause I know this happens later, but when she goes to the Hummels and they hand her a dead baby, I was not <laughs> prepared for that. I'm like, I know that the baby dies. I know that. But in other versions, they just kind of, the baby's crying and the baby's sick and, uh, and you just find out. But in this one, there she is holding the and the mom comes back and she's like i'm sorry and she hands her mom her dead baby and i'm like why are we watching that why was a very you... strange scene <laughs> i was like why did you film this this is terrible <laughs> i know so you know it's like you could have just given us the hummels at the beginning instead of the hummels with death I... yeah yeah i feel like aside from the weirdness with Lori and his grandfather that's one of the biggest knocks against this one is not there's no hummels at the beginning because like i mean i know they're not like huge characters but like the scene where they're like deciding to give their breakfast up on christmas that's like i don't know why but that's like one of my favorite parts because i like the dialogue i like that they have to think about what they're doing and i don't know that's just i feel like that's one of the most important most iconic scenes of little women and it seems wrong that they didn't include it well, agreed because it it's, it's because it's so much at the beginning. It gives you a sense of who Marmy is and her, you know, yes, what she's trying to too. teach her, what she's trying to teach her kids, and you know their principles as a family and how they all basically come together and and decide. Okay, well, we don't have a lot, but there's people out there that have less than us, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's a it's a definite you know tone setting scene because you're just like, okay, they do this and then they come back to a surprise. You know, they end up getting. Mm-hmm. you know it paid back to them and so yeah you it's it's more than just because i agree i love the, i love that scene in other adaptations but the underlying reason for it when you cut that out you miss out a lot of why Character they are the way they are yeah, yeah. basically yeah. yeah so then we're kind of introduced to the lawrences and you have like i said their relationship is strange mr lawrence is like angry when Lori tries to play the piano, which I don't think that was a thing in the book. I don't remember that being a thing in the book. Like, I don't think he liked being reminded of his, was it his granddaughter or his daughter in the book? I, I can't remember for sure. See, in the in the movie, they make it sound like it was his daughter who ran off and married an Italian man. But in the book, it's his son that marries yeah an italian woman and she's a singer and so that's where Lori gets his you know yeah dark they, changed, hair and, they changed all that but then I he also had his either daughter or granddaughter who had died and right that, and i didn't remember if they were twisting that as well because i always thought it was his granddaughter see that you're right i always thought it was too and i feel like because now they're running together again i feel like <laughs> in this one they were saying his little girl yeah, I, th- I think they were saying it was his daughter. Right. But it just yeah, seems like the, such a bizarre thing to change. <laughs> yeah. For no, there's no there reason was, for it. There was a bunch of things about them that was changed that was strange. <laughs> yeah. 
they're they're like my least favorite part of, the, of this <laughs> for, yeah. for many reasons <laughs> then you have right at the beginning mr lawrence inviting beth over to play the piano like their whole relationship was super rushed and handled weirdly because mm-hmm. later on you have him yelling at her thinking that she's Lori playing the piano that did not mm-hmm. happen it, I, yeah I, I just didn't like the way that he was handled yeah they I feel like they made all of the um the Lawrence men really aggressive for no reason they were just everything yeah. that they did just felt really aggressive like there was always this underlying tension and it wasn't mm-hmm. i never got you know the warm fuzzies from you know senior lawrence once mm-hmm. you know they established all that it just yeah I, i'm with you i i they weren't my favorite yeah it was weird <laughs> then you had the party which i think this is another one there's multiple parties in the books but i think this one like other adaptations, combines different aspects of things that happened Mm -hmm. at the various parties into this party. But then they also did something weird by having Maggie get drunk, which, I mean, she drinks champagne in the book, but she didn't drink it to the point that she was sloshed or anything. And this one, they had her like straight up get drunk. And Laurie thinks it's funny. And in the book, he's like, upset with her for even like drinking the champagne because like this is not who you are you're better yeah. than this and in this one he thinks it's funny and i was like what yeah it, it well and you know because in the book she yeah she drinks but you know and she gets a headache but you know she feels guilty about it you know and she confesses later but yeah in the movie it was treated way differently and yeah. it was so bizarre very yes <laughs> Later on, you get the whole thing with Amy. This is also handled very differently. I guess she was punished for decorating her slate. I think that's what she said in this one. Yes. And that was all handled weird. She refuses to go to school and Marmy acts like she's going to go and yell at the teacher and then she doesn't. And I don't know. It just felt off (laughs) to me. Yeah, you know... I mean, I get, you know, if you're going to take away the limes, because for somebody that's reading this now, even I guess even in the, you know, late 70s when this was filmed, most people probably would not relate to limes being, you know, like um, mm-hmm. something well, to be even, even just change it to like candy. Right. And so I, I get the I get why they wanted to make it something because I guess maybe, you know, drawing, you know, weird stuff or defacing stuff makes more sense in the time but yeah it there was just there were, the changes that they made didn't seem to be for any reason other than just to make changes like mm-hmm. because the stuff that they chose to change it was it was all surface stuff it it didn't really lend anything to the sto- extra to the story it didn't change you know the dynamics of stuff it was just it just seemed like eh, we don't want to do that let's do this instead why mm-hmm. it didn't no reason and then they had to tie that into the book burning scene with Marmy agrees that Amy doesn't have to go to school anymore. So she's going to like join Joe and make their attic into like an artist's loft. And Joe doesn't want that. So they're fighting. And then when she leaves to go to the party later, 
or play, I guess, in this case. She goes back in, steals the book to burn it. It just felt kind of weird that they mashed those scenes together. Yeah, and I also, it bothered me that they never showed them doing their theatricals as a family, you know, because part of her... I forgot about that. Yeah, they didn't do that at all. No, because part of the Garrett wasn't just her studio. It was where they had the Pickwick Company, like the, mm-hmm. or whatever it was the called. Pickwick Club. And yeah. Where, different plays too. Yeah. And they would read the paper and, you know, they would do all that. And they that's where they invited Lori to be part of it. Like there was a lot mm-hmm. that, that happened. So it wasn't just Joe's studio. It was like their, their clubhouse basically. And so I, it felt weird to treat it as this singular, no one's allowed in here, you know, and because it was, there was, you know, it was for everybody for a time, especially um, when they started the, the club and they just didn't even, they didn't even show any of that. Not even them just talking about it. Not even, Mm -hmm. I understand not showing them doing one of the big theatricals, but there was there was no reference to it whatsoever, and I thought that was very disappointing because I love those. I do love those scenes. Yeah, a lot of this it feels like they were just trying to shorten it up, and I mean this was a three hour miniseries, so it feels like <laughs> they had a little bit more time than movies do. Yeah. So it felt kind of weird that they crammed all of this stuff into. I mean, this is this is a little bit into the movie, but it still feels like they're cramming all this into the beginning. Yeah. Especially because you have then the piano delivery at the same time, because Joe's looking for her book when the piano is delivered, and you have all of those scenes happening all together, and there's no time really right. dwelt on any of them. Right. It just, it just felt like they were cramming too much into the beginning. Right, I agree. And part of the beauty of the beginning is every all those little things that happen. Yes, they happen spaced out. Now, granted, I will say this, when I read the book, when I finally listened to the book, there were some scenes where I was like, all right, I get it. You do not have to describe all of this. It there are parts of the book that do go on a little too it's long. Too much. But like you said earlier, it's world building, it's character building, yeah. it's showing you and so to to rush all the beginning stuff where we establish who these people are and their characters and their dispositions it just it i didn't like it i wasn't a fan i'll also say too that this is another reason why having just the one amy works even less is because she's an adult and she feels like an adult so when she ultimately goes and burns her manuscript it just comes off as evil to me (laughs) she's like evil, right (laughs) It's supposed to be a little kid doing something impetuous. Right. Instead, it's like an adult doing something malicious. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. It's, I, I hate, and it doesn't matter what adaptation is. I hate that scene. I hate it because I just, I feel so bad. I want to be like, don't do, oh, yeah. I just want to stop it. It's so terrible. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. And you also have Marmy saying that Amy just didn't understand. And I'm like, I, I suppose like in the script if she was a, if she was actually a child I guess but she's not a child so yeah. it, just, it comes off as evil when she's that old it, you're right it does it really does <laughs> then we also have the, the the scene where they ultimately have to make up is because the ice skating scene <laughs> the, the whole th- thing I thought it was this is not supposed to be funny. I just thought it was kind of funny that this is an obvious set. This is not outside. This is, I know. This is a sound stage that they've built to look like 
a snowy park. <laughs> Every time they took that walk out into those trees, I was just like, what is happening? This looks like a window set from like a department store that you would just like put mannequins in of like winter wear or something. <laughs> oh, I mean, I know it's the time. I know it's the budget. I know that. Yeah. but Oh, gosh, it was bad. <laughs> And then when the ice does break, it's like the slowest, slow motion, <laughs> dramatic ice breaking scene. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I felt bad because I did, I did actually like, what? And then I kind of laughed because I was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. And after this, it does improve some because then you have a two year time jump, which that's an addition to this version and this version only because the book, it slowly happens over a period of years. And this right. is like, let's just get all this stuff that everybody knows with, out of the way. And then we'll, <laughs> we'll jump forward two years. Right. Which, yeah. I mean, I guess I get part of that, especially with Amy, because you got to get all of her being a kid out of, over with at the beginning. So yeah. I guess I understand why they wanted to do a two-year time jump. It still would have made a whole lot more sense to have a different actress play Amy. Yes. But I feel like it does improve quite a lot after the, the two-year time jump. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I agree. After the time jump, Joe is going to go try and get published. And I thought it was kind of funny that they have her look into a barber shop and see the sign about <laughs> so she could sell her hair. I thought it was funny that they had that kind of foreshadowing in there. Yeah, mental note for later. (laughs) (laughs) And this is where you also have Laurie playing billiards, the pool hall scene, and the fight with his grandfather. Like, he slaps him, and then he shoves him back, and then they're yelling. That was just so weird. (laughs) I was like, well, what did they do here? (laughs) I I thought... I remember watching that and I thought, did I miss all of that? Because I was like, there's no way I don't remember that from the book. And, I'm, and no, I kept no, thinking, no, what no, is no. happening? <laughs> what in the world? And I'm thinking, did I not, did I forget a part? Like what? Oh, it was, it was just out of left field. I was not prepared for that at all. Yeah, no, I, at least within the last month I have read the book. Uh, this did not happen in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I know it's been a while, but dang, I don't remember that. And I try to be lenient about, like, I I don't, like, get my knickers in a twist about about things getting changed. But, like, when you throw in something that's that much out of left field and that big of a change to a character, that's when I start feeling like, this is wrong. Yeah, I was like, that's assault, brother. Like, this is bad. They just did not handle their characters very well no and having them like fight over him i guess gambling i don't know exactly what they thought he was doing like there was a thing in the book about joe warning laurie about getting too familiar with the kinds of people who play billiards because i think that that was kind of a thing back then like maybe the lower sort of people yeah like the not not good people in society can get into this and like there was that but it wasn't like you're a bad person for doing this it was like just just kind of warning him like maybe think about what you're doing and who what the kinds of people you're maybe getting mixed up with it wasn't this right dramatic 
fight. Yes. Yeah, you're about to fall into just this alcohol-soaked life of being in a bar. All no, no. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I, I thought there's there's many different ways to show Lori and his grandfather not getting along, and it didn't need to involve physical violence to do that. There's mm-hmm. there's other ways to show that. Yeah, because they didn't always get along in the book either. They had their no. issues at times, but they never got violent. <laughs> no yeah it was just a weird I, I yeah it it didn't make sense and it wasn't necessary at all to show that they weren't getting along we knew that already we don't need to watch them fight out in the middle of the street yeah it was just bizarre <laughs> so the next big scene is the picnic which i kind of liked that they included because that's not really something that you get in versions i've seen so far anyways you don't really get like the picnics out in the park and right talking so i liked that they included that in this they kind of changed it a little bit by having the telegram arrive while they were at the picnic and having beth running to them dramatically yeah (laughs) yeah but that wasn't one that i was like this is so bizarre it was just like oh that's kind of an interesting change well i just thought beth who doesn't do anything besides sit at home and like you know help her mom she's gonna run into town and just i'm like physically i don't think that she could it just yeah it was and i don't think beth excluded herself that much in the book either like in this she was like a recluse yeah basically and i i don't think she was like that in the book like she was shy but i don't think she like excluded herself purposely in the way that she did in this version right i also thought it was kind of funny that um john (laughs) they're at this picnic and he's in like full army dress (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i i didn't understand why he was pretty much always dressed like that i mean it's probably just yeah. the people like well he's in the army so we got to show people that he's in the army so he's gonna always dress like a soldier even if he's not doing soldiery things yeah just <laughs> you know he would show up and i'm thinking oh my gosh you're you're in full dress here sir okay yeah it was just a funny funny thing it wasn't like this is really really stupid but i just it made me laugh <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Then you have another interesting change. Hannah is now the one who goes to see Aunt March. And the different versions do this differently because I'm sure for people who, we didn't say, but Beth is running screaming because they got a telegram that their father is in the hospital. So just in case nobody knows that, I I would hope that you do if you (laughs) listen to this podcast. But anyways, that's what that was about. So Hannah is the one who goes to see Aunt March about getting money so that Marnie can go see their father. Right. And different versions do this differently. In the book, I was kind of surprised because I was watching versions before I got to this point in the book. So I was surprised that it's actually Lori that goes to see Aunt March in the book. And I think the favorite way to change this for different versions is to have Joe go mm-hmm. see Aunt March because then they have this big fight. Mm-hmm. And in the book, Everything that Aunt March says to Joe in the various versions, she just writes in a letter that she sends with Lori with all the money. It's not this huge, dramatic, your father is an idiot, basically, that the other versions like to do. But this kind of, I mean, Aunt March, she's not exactly a villain, but I feel like they kind of tried to give her like a very snobbish, 
like she's anti-Hannah, like she talks down to Hannah in various scenes in this. And I don't, I mean, maybe she was kind of like that in the book, but I don't think she was to this degree, like talking down to the help and whatever. No, because I always just remembered like there wasn't a lot of interactions there. And what I liked about this one, though, is right with any of the help. Like, that's just not something, you know, but what I liked was Hannah was not having it. She was like, (laughs) listen, lady. Yeah. Yeah, then they end up going back to the house, and then she's basically lecturing mommy in person. And as she's giving her money, yes, (laughs) but like they they change it so that Joe is in the other room. She doesn't see the money happening, so then Joe just hears her insulting (laughs) her father, and then stomps out and goes to cut her hair. And I also thought it was weird. Maybe this is a thing, but Aunt March had the money hidden in her petticoats. Like she pulled up her dress and like fished the money out of her her underskirts. I loved it. I, loved it. I was like, oh, hey, little sideshow here. Oh my gosh, I died laughing because I was like, of course she would keep money there. Of course she would. I mean, it would be a good place to hide something. There's enough material there that you could hide something away and all that. Oh my gosh. I, I was like, Oh, I, I, and I died laughing. And that's probably this. I think it's this scene that made me really like Aunt March a lot just because (laughs) the way she played the whole thing just made me laugh. I know she was being snobby. I know she was being rude, Uh you know, but I just, her performance cracked me up. It really did make me laugh. Yeah. I I did enjoy the character. Oh, I I wrote down one of her quotes here too. (laughs) That Hannah of yours, she's unpleasantly sullen. You must speak to her sharply. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and Hannah's like, <laughs> it was awesome. And then you get the haircutting scene, and John escorts Marmy. And I think Marmy, on her way out, talks about the Hummels, and then that's where you get the whole scene with the Hummels and the, the dying baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah that was kind of like, again like they didn't introduce it at the beginning so it felt too quickly a lot of the whole thing with her and i mean this happens with a lot of versions because in the book marmy's gone a long time mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem like that long in this version no and you know like you said earlier without introducing the hummels you know appropriately at the beginning it just seems like she's just in this random person's house and there was it took me a second because when Beth is in the house with the baby and the mom the German mom walks in and she says you know I'm sorry or whatever and she holds up the I I, out loud I was like is that a dead baby because I (laughs) Is she, and I was like, now man, no one's around me. I'm like, is she dead? Is this a dead? Like, what? It was so jarring because you just, there's no basis for their relationship yet. Uh huh. I so mean, weird. technically, in the book, the baby does die in Beth's arms, but there's not really, there's not buildup in this. It's just, well, dead baby. <laughs> yeah, I just, I guess I just wasn't expecting, you know, because. 
I mean, I know the baby died, you know, I knew that. And, but Mm. in, you know, in other adaptations, they kind of soften it a little bit where the baby was sick. And then later they say the Hummel baby died. You don't have to see the dead baby to know that the. Yeah. And it's not like we see this like grotesque baby or anything. It's covered up in this. It's probably just a doll. It's not even a real baby. Uh It's just covered, but it's just, I was was legit taken aback. Like, is that, that's the, ah, no, thank you. No, thank you. I don't need that scene. Yeah, it was handled very oddly. It's weird. So while all this is happening, they get a letter and it turns out their father is doing well now. Joe ends up getting published. And I'm not sure what all the timeline was with this because all these scenes are kind of happening together. Mm -hmm. And Beth comes back dramatically. (laughs) They, They had to really play that up. Uh, yeah I, i've seen it done better but it was <laughs> amusing <laughs> and then you get the whole thing with amy she's told she needs to go stay with aunt march and laurie has to convince her to go and i think they were trying to use that as to set up their relationship a little bit because yeah. I, I don't know how i feel about their relationship in this this one it's sometimes it's handled well sometimes it doesn't i haven't decided if this one did it well or not it was kind of in the middle for me yeah you know i i think for me like for the most part i i don't care about their relationship ever because for the most Mm -hmm. part you know (laughs) i'm always like who cares (laughs) (laughs) it's i'm I'm over amy just whatever just whatever just marry him go away so (laughs) but that's just you know that's me being youthful me that holds on to the 94 version where i hate when they get together and i'm like ugh, y'all are the worst of course y'all y'all deserve to be together so that's just me like holding on to those feelings but uh-huh. yeah i mean i just i guess it was it was fine like i understood why they you know put that in there and yeah it's probably to set them up but i never really understood why Lori ends up wanting to marry her anyways <laughs> I mean, in the book, it is done over a much longer period of time and makes more sense than, like, because they have to shorten it for different movie movie and TV adaptations because they just don't have enough time to tell the entire story. So I get it more when I'm reading the book. Yeah, it's just more of, I just don't, I'm not a fan of, I don't know. Again, it's just me being snobby (laughs) because I'm like, I just, I'm like, why would you want to marry her? But I get it. Yeah. So Amy leaves. She's going to stay with Aunt March and they, they actually get along, which she's shown to not get along with many people. So that kind of, I mean, that's from the book too. Like Amy, there's like this whole thing in the book with Amy deciding that she's going to be a better person, partly because she wants to be in Aunt March's good graces and like right. get things from her. Yes. <laughs> but like it was like a conscious choice of her to become a better person during this whole time period. Right. So also, you have Beth, and I thought she did a good job being sick. <laughs> yeah, can... she looked sickly. <laughs> Sometimes it, things like that can be hammed up too much, and I thought she she was pretty good. I uh, yes, I. I don't know if we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a minute, but, um, you know, we, sometimes we don't get the extra scene with, you know, Beth and, you know, Joe and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I thought she did it really. I thought she did the whole thing really well. Mm -hmm. At some point in here, 
they meet with the doctor and he tells them to send for Marmy. And at first I was thinking, when I saw this doctor, I was like, I know him from somewhere. I looked through all of his credits, didn't see anything I recognized, except he's in a bunch of Disney movies. Oh, really? But it's his voice, so I don't know why I thought I recognized his face, but it's, I apparently knew his voice. His final okay. role was Grimsby in The Little Mermaid. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. Seriously? And, okay, I did not know that. And I had no idea that the person who played Grimsby also played Roger in 101 Dalmatians. So I did not know that either. Role. And he oh also my was gosh. In Jungle Book. Apparently he was in Sound of Music too, but it's been so long since he's Sound of Music. So that's probably not why I recognized him. But I just thought it was interesting that he was in a bunch of old Disney movies. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to look him up after because that, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. And once once I saw that Grimsby was his final role, I was like, remembering Grimsby to the rest. I'm like, that is him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then Lori ends up sending for Marmy. Then you have a, a fake out of like you think she's dead <laughs> I, th- I think different versions like to fake you out at this point like make it seem like she died yeah and this one they really went for it <laughs> no, yeah she's not dead <laughs> well i wasn't sure though because i thought well they're changing everything else yeah. maybe they kill her off early Me Who knows? Too. I, mean... I was like are they are they trying to get rid of her so they don't have to pay for another actress in the second half when we can move on to the next episode <laughs> right i was just like who knows let's see what happens yeah no she ends up being fine ish like she's yeah. still sickly but she's she gets better at this point but for a moment you really think she's gone yeah and then it's her birthday which i think they've added in i don't remember it being her birthday in the book but their father comes home on her birthday yeah i don't remember that either so then you get more scenes getting mixed together here. The scene with John and Meg. And in the book, Meg plays, she's trying to play hard to get on Joe's advice because Joe doesn't want them together. So right. she's trying, she's like trying to subtly sabotage things. And it ends up being, she's like playing hard to get. And then Aunt March comes in and insults John. And then she defends him. And that's how that all plays out. But this, this was weird. Yes, it was. (laughs) This whole scene was so weird because you didn't have the whole thing with Joe trying to like tell her to play hard to get. And like, he's just acting weird and kind of creepy. And she's like, she rebuffs him, like rightly so. Yep. Because of the way he was acting. But like, then you have the whole thing with Aunt March coming in and the scene plays out like it's supposed to. But it's just yes. weird to have her defending him now after he was just being a complete weirdo. <laughs> yeah. This is one of those scenes where they needed to have some rewrites. Just somebody needed to go over the script and polish it up a little bit because I don't know what they were going for, but it didn't come off the way they think it was supposed to come off. <laughs> it was just. No, because, if, yeah, if you've never read the book, it doesn't, you're just thinking, yeah. what? is happening it doesn't make sense and and even if you have read the book you're thinking what is happening this doesn't make sense. <laughs> exactly exactly it was so so weird 
Yeah. <laughs> it, I, I was very uncomfortable. I will yeah. say that before she, when she, when she's like leading up to like rebuffing him the whole time, I was like, I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. It was just bizarre. Anyways, after that, it sort of goes back to normal, but then you get some more other mixing of scenes with Joe is then yelling at Aunt March and then Aunt March rescinds an offer to go to Europe, which sort of happened in the book a little bit differently. They just kind of mm-hmm. shoved th- some things together, which is fine. And yeah. basically Amy is now going to Europe instead. And that's basically the end of the first episode. Yes. With Joe pouting on the stairs. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it sounds like I kind of hate this version, but I don't. I don't know. There's just some it was just weird. There's a lot of weird things in this version. And yeah. It's definitely not one of my favorites. I don't I I don't want to say that this is awful, but it's just weird. <laughs> it, well, you know, if you it's I look at it like, you know, Star Wars. Of course, growing up, the original trilogy, that's what I think is amazing. And then of course my kids have seen, you know, all the newer ones. And when we try and show them the older ones, they're like, this looks terrible. And I'm like, listen, I know just (laughs) what we had at the time and it looks great. Just stop it. So I can see very much where, you know, I've been spoiled by having newer versions before I've seen this one. So watching Mm -hmm. this one, I'm thinking, what is what was happening but that's not to say i didn't enjoy myself because i did immensely yeah <laughs> yeah i mean there's there are things that i did actually like in this but it's mixed with all these other weird changes that some just felt unnecessary yeah Thanks to Lisa for joining me for this episode. If you want more from her, I'll have her links in the description below. And of course, come back next week for part two. But if you want more right now, Lisa and I also did a Q&A before we recorded this podcast. And you can find that up right now on my main podcast, I Heart Movies. And if you're interested in the Hallmarkies podcast that Lisa and I did about the Hallmark pandemic film, I'll have that linked in the description below as well. Okay, that's all for this episode. We'll see you next week for part two of this one right here on Every Version Ever. Thanks for listening.